Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. And hi, my name's Kay. We will be reading from the Book of Science by Dr. David Jeremiah. And we're going to start with To Deny Satan. Kay, you want to start us out there? Yeah, I will. This is getting more interesting and more interesting here as we move along. So, To Deny Satan. Let me suggest a final reason for viewing the new heaven and the new earth in terms of renovation. I don't believe God intends to give Satan the satisfaction of having irreparably ruined the divine creation. When God created heaven and earth in the book of Genesis, he was very pleased with his handiwork. From Genesis 1.31 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. There was no evidence the Lord ever changed his mind about that. His purpose for redeeming the world was not to abandon his creation, but to restore it. And Anthony Hokama wrote, If God would have to annihilate the present cosmos, Satan would have won a great victory, for then Satan would have succeeded in so devastatingly corrupting the present cosmos and the present earth that God could do nothing with it but to blot it totally out of existence. But Satan did not win such a victory. On the contrary, Satan has been decisively defeated. God will reveal the full dimensions of that defeat when he shall renew this very earth on which Satan deceived mankind. To summarize, then, after the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, the return of Christ, the millennium, and the great white throne judgment, God will draw the curtains on human history, and the entire universe will undergo a purifying conflagration. All evidence of disease will be burned up. All evidence of disobedience will melt away. All the remnants and results of sin, sorrow, and suffering will be destroyed. Out of the smoldering ruins, God will recreate all physical reality, and he will bring forth a fresh universe, a new heaven, and a new earth. The principles of the new heaven and the new earth. Having discussed the promise of the purification of the new heaven and the new earth, let's return to Revelation 21 to uncover some startling principles about our new universe. I want to tell you what this is all going to be like. When this new creation is finished and God has purified it, it's still the same earth and still the same heaven, but it will have been purged. It will be made fresh. All the stains of sin will be gone. All the evidence of death, all the signs of disease. What then will the world be like? Among the glorious things we're told in the book of Revelation, Three have struck me with particular force. The removal of the seas, the reversal of the curse, and the restoration of all things. The removal of the sea. The first thing we have to grapple with is the question of the oceans of the world. Revelation 21 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there were no more sea. If you're like me, that's a little dis concerting, at least when I first heard about it. I lived in Southern California near the ocean, and I love watching 
the sun fall like a blazing orb in the Pacific and the evenings at sunset. Many, as a, many of us who love oceans cock a troubled eyebrow. That'd be me. Me too. Yeah. When we read the last phrase of verse one. Hmm. But the Bible doesn't tell us there won't be beautiful bodies of water. When you think about it, the surface of our planet is primarily water, about 71%. The oceans hold over 96% of all the Earth's water, and these vast wastelands of salt water are essentially uninhabitable by humans. The new Earth will be more beautiful than Anything we can imagine and more gorgeous than anywhere we've ever been, there will be clearly the bodies of water. As I'll explain in a moment, but evidently there will not be huge wastelands of salty seas. The composition of the planet will be so different and the nature of our glorified bodies will be so superior that the very ecology of the new creation will be altered certainly the fresh waters flowing throughout the coming world will be more beautiful than anything we can imagine with trees growing alongside them providing fruit and beauty and the quality of life beyond anything we have ever known so don't worry about the phrase also there was no more sea give god a little bit of credit here for if he made the sea so beautiful and pleasant in the first place, he will certainly design a new world with even greater levels of marvel and magnificence. The reversal of the curse. We uncover another glorious feature of the new world with these words in Revelation 22. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. What curse is that? When most of us think of the word curse, we think of an obscenity or profanity, the kind we hear at work or school all too often on television. But when John used the word curse, he was pointing back to the words God spoke in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve had rebelled and brought sin and shame upon the world, The Lord said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The curse is why everything goes wrong in our world and why life is such a fight all the time. Humanity always has to run uphill, and nature often works against us. In a million ways, we see the earth deteriorating around us. Look at the empty fields. It doesn't sprout into wildflowers or ornamental gardens. It descends into patches of weeds. Look at our human bodies. At a certain point, they begin to deteriorate, age, break down, and fail. Look across our planet at the ravages of drought, earthquakes, 
hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, and floods, not to mention the evils perpetrated by humanity's simple nature. And all this is summed up in that one word, curse. Now, think of the power of these words from Revelation 22. And there shall be no more curse. When we get to the new heaven and the new earth, the curse will be reversed. It will be lifted. It will be dispelled forever. Oh, think of it. The weariness that accompanies our work will be a forgotten memory. Nature will work as it should. The weather will always be in our favor and the ground will grow flowers as naturally as it produces thorns and thistles today. We ourselves will not fall into the ground in death because we will never die. Praise Mm, the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm telling you, what an eye-opener to look at what is said about what has happened to some of our fields and the deer, you know, the deterioration of our bodies and to think about the droughts and the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the fires and the floods that are all, all part of the curse, Teresa. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> God has sent his son into the world not only to save our souls, but also to redeem creation from the results of sin. The work of Christ goes beyond the incredible goal of saving an inimitable throng of blood-bought people. The total work of Christ is nothing less than redeeming this entire creation from the effects of sin. That purpose will not be accomplished until God has ushered in the new earth, until paradise lost becomes paradise regained but it will be accomplished the restoration of all things that brings us to the final feature i want to mention about new heaven and new earth the restoration of all things in revelation 21 says the former things have passed away he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new behold I make all things new. How powerful. All things. All things. Randy Alcorn explained it like this. Heaven is God's home. Earth is our home. Jesus Christ, as the God of man, forever links God and mankind and thereby forever links heaven and earth. As Ephesians 1 demonstrates, this idea of earth and heaven becoming one is biblical. Christ will make earth into heaven and heaven into earth. Just as the wall that separates God and mankind is torn down in Jesus, so too the wall that separates heaven and earth will be forever demolished. There will be one universe with all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, Jesus Christ. And that while we often look up to the sky and just imagine what heaven would be like. And there will be no separation ever again. No separation. Alcorn continued, God's God's plan is that there be God's plan is that there will be no more gulf between the spiritual and the physical worlds. There'll be no divided loyalties or divided realms. There will be one cosmos, one universe, 
united under one Lord forever. This is the unstoppable plan of God. This is where history is headed. That is why Revelation 21 is so exuberant. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. When you think about it, this new paradigm doesn't simply give us a sense of adventure about the future. It also gives us new appreciation for the world in which we currently live. That's why Christians are or should be in proper sense, the world's best ecologist. We realize that God loves the world he made. And from the beginning, back to Genesis, we're told that we are responsible for this planet to tend and keep it. In this narrative about heaven, David Haney wrote about going to his favorite restaurant, like in Dallas, Texas, that features creative southwestern cuisine the most famous item on the menu especially prepared ribeye steak but the restaurant is also known for its extensive menu of exotic appetizers huh i think we're gonna have to go there my friend (laughs) (laughs) okay one day david sat down at his table studied the menu and ordered a marvelous shrimp fajita appetizer that was unlike anything he had ever tasted in his life i discovered taste buds that i didn't even know i had he said i could not believe that anyone could make something so odd sounding taste so good when the waiter returned to inquire about the entree david told him he didn't want to eat anything else all night the shrimp fajita had done him in and he didn't even plan to brush his teeth that (laughs) evening because he wanted to savor the memory of the marvelous taste but the waiter told him if you thought that was good just wait for the ribeye man after david thought about that simple conversation as he pondered the whole whole idea of foretaste in a sense the beauties of our world the hills, the plains, the mountains, the oceans, the spangly vault of heaven are like appetizers that whet our appetite for the main course for God's new creation. I don't know anything more about these realities than the Bible tells us. Scripture is our only source of truth about the life hereafter, but based upon the biblical truths, I believe the same God who magnificently created this present world is preparing for the moment when he will make all things new. The scene in Revelation 21 and 22 is not some fictional utopia. It is absolute reality revealed for us in God's book, designed for us by God's heart and provided for us by God's own son. Wow. Anybody in Texas, I hope you go (laughs) check out that restaurant. That sounds fabulous. Yes. Well, again, thank you for stopping by. Have a great week and God bless you.